This is episode 589 of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast for Wednesday, February 13th, 2019. I am your host, Mark Nez, and today I'm going to talk about Just Cause 3. You heard me right, Just Cause 3. Not that 4 would be any more current than Just Cause 3. Well, technically it is more current, but both are not really in the zeitgeist or anything. But you may be asking yourself, why Just Cause 3? I'll get to that. But uh, I also am talking about Atari Flash Black Flash Back Classics for the Switch. Played that for quite a bit. And I want to talk about it now after I took it out on the road and saw what some friends thought of it. Those who remember the Atari or maybe have not played a game since Atari. And I, wa- I wondered whether or not they would still be into those games or if they would look at them and think huh this this is something i used to play and enjoy and then i'll talk about uh, a few movies of course not much news to talk about i mean there are, there is news but i can't really add anything to the layoffs at activision blizzard it's terrible of course um but outside of saying it's terrible there's not much that i can really add to that story you know bobby kodak i think made 30 million i read and they had record profits last year so you have to wonder why these layoffs happen uh but you don't really have to wonder why because that's how business works business is on greed and making the most profit it's not about being profitable it's about being as profitable as you can and if you can find 800 jobs that you assume aren't needed or you can look at and say well these aren't needed not really and we'll still be able to make the same profit uh, the following year or or whatnot Uh, then that's what happens because the world's a shitty place Um, and then I think there might have been some other bit of news but I don't know nothing really stood out all that much so I'm going to get to what I've been playing, starting with Just Cause 3. So why I started playing Just Cause 3 is because I saw that Just Cause 4 is on sale, at least on Xbox, probably on PS4 as well. But it's 33% off, so it's 40 bucks. And I looked at that sale and thought, you know what? I want to play Just Cause 4. I like Just Cause. And the change to controls was something that really interested me in Just Cause 4. However, I already own Just Cause 3, and I haven't played nearly enough Just Cause 3. I could play Just Cause 3 instead of playing Just Cause 4. Uh, and maybe if I play enough of it, it'll, it'll be by the time the sale's almost over, and then I'll pick up Just Cause 4. But Just Cause 3 is what I've been playing, and I'm enjoying it quite a bit. It still has performance issues. If there are a lot of explosions on screen, it won't run particularly well. I'm playing on Xbox One X, and that does not do anything to resolve those issues. Um, it does... I don't know what I was going to say there. It does. I was going to say it does, and then I'm trying to think of things I could add in there, and I'm like, no, there's nothing there that I want to add. Uh, it's fun. I still enjoy it. I'm remembering why I quit now, and that has to do with the challenges, specifically the racing challenges, which I think are terrible uh, because the controls for 
almost every vehicle is garbage. Uh, the plane controls feel like shit. And I did one plane race where you have to fly through circles a handful of times before I finally finished it. And I blew up the plane on the second to last uh, checkpoint at one point, And I was, if, if I was a controller thrower, that controller would have been broken for sure. But then you have the on ground races with cars or bikes, which don't feel great. There, there's one that I did with a motorcycle where it's clearly a street bike. And then there's a section where you have to go off-road on this dirt road. And then when you're doing that bit, the, the bike controls like shit because it's not a dirt bike. And that kind of design is just really annoying. But you have to do these challenges in order to unlock upgrades for your character. And while I like that system in, in concept, I don't like the way it plays out in part because I think some of the challenges are garbage. But also because it's not a here are a number of points that you can put into these dozen or so categories. There are a lot of different categories. It's tier based, so you'll unlock points towards these particular unlocks, but you don't get to select which one you want to use. You just unlock them based on how many points you've unlocked total for that particular category. And then you could turn them on or off as you choose to. And you may ask yourself, why would I ever want to turn an upgrade off? One example of an upgrade you wouldn't want on potentially when you're just going around and trying to do regular stuff or, or trying to find the, the collectibles like uh, the, the radio logs and, and shrines and stuff like that is there is an upgrade that allows you to uh, it'll it'll bring up the same kind of radio blip thing that comes up when you're near a collectible for cars you haven't collect collected uh for your garage and that could really mess with your ability to find other collectibles in the game so that's that's something you could turn off though i use that to collect a bunch of cars right next to garage until it stopped showing up so it works for that as well but uh outside of that annoyance i'm really enjoying it it's fun to just go around and blow the shit out of things that never gets old it's always super fun moving around with the graveling hook feels good i remember when I first played Just Cause 3, I didn't want to rely on that. I wanted to be able to use cars and stuff uh, other than just grappling around, which just isn't... It, it, it's something you could do, but it doesn't feel good. It, it feels really bad. Um, you know, There are some cars that feel okay, but for the most part, every vehicle feels terrible. The, the choppers feel fine, but one, if, you're, if you're riding a chopper and you get close to a base then all the SAMs are going to go off and target you, and you can't really dodge them. So you have to take those out before you mess with the helicopter in those areas. But another thing I learned when taking on like the large outpost bases or even cities, but really just the big bases that are full of a lot of uh, baddies and all that, is to go at it with 
full ammo and then just die so that you reload right next to it and then you can just destroy bits of it and when you run out of ammo you just die and then you get all your ammo back and the destruction you've caused will still be there it saves the destruction so all that progression is still there which is really nice and a nice go around because ammo can be a pain in the ass uh, because the like especially the heavy weapons like your rocket launchers grenade launchers random enemies won't drop ammo for that I, I don't think I've ever come across enemies dropping ammo for your heavy weapons or, or your uh, special weapons that is They'll occasionally drop ammo for heavy weapons and your regular weapons, but not really for those. Uh, but yeah, it's still a really good game. Looks pretty good. I'd love to see what the the new one looks like and feels like and uh, performs like. Uh, and maybe I'll get around to that at some point. And another nice thing about Just Cause 3 is that it is regularly... I don't know if it is also on sale, but it is regular on sale for super cheap. Usually like 10, 12 bucks for the game and all the DLC, which is nice. Uh, and it was funny too, when I loaded it up and was looking at the map and what I had to do, I'm like, this isn't as big as I remember it being. And then I zoomed out and I kept zooming out. I'm like, oh shit, this is bigger than... I thought it was, and I don't know why I thought it was going to be small, because previous Just Cause games weren't small at all or anything, um, but uh, Just Cause 3 is a good time, and I would love to get around to Just Cause 4 as well, but I'm way more anticipating the hopeful, sooner than later, sale on Resident Evil 2, because I just, I want to play that so bad. I need to play Resident Evil 1 and finish it so that once Resident Evil 2 is on sale, I can buy it immediately and start playing it. Because I don't want to wait, but I do want to play Resident Evil 1 before 2. So I, may, I have to make sure that that's done before it's on sale. So that I'll be right and ready to go. Because I, I cannot wait to play Resident Evil 2. But I, I, I must play Resident Evil 1. That's my personal choice. And once I play Resident Evil 2, I guess I'll play the PS1 version of Resident Evil 3 on PS3 because even if the success of Resident Evil 2 means we'll be getting a Resident Evil 3 remake at some point, that's going to be a while. That would probably not be this gen or I guess I could see a Resident Evil 3 remake being cross-gen both platforms, but uh, who knows. It'll also be interesting to see how that works if, if, if both xbox one and well xbox next the next box and playstation 5 are fully backward compatible with this generation and then for xbox it would still continue over the 360 and original xbox games that are currently backward compatible i would hope if that isn't the case that's going to be a real letdown but assuming that if nothing else next box and playstation 5 are backward compatible with the current-gen consoles, cross-gen games wouldn't make any sense if you could just play the previous version. Um, unless they were early-gen games and they gave them significant visual upgrades and, and whatnot, and performance upgrades. 
But uh, yeah, Just Cause Three. Talked about that longer than I was expecting, but it's it's a good time. It's a timeless game. If only it performed optimic optimally the entire time. But for the most part, it runs well enough. Uh, you know, it's, it's not unplayable by any means, other than the fact that controlling vehicles taste. Uh, <laughs> yes, controlling vehicles does taste like shit, uh, but it also feels like shit. And I've felt my fair share of shit. That is not true. I don't. I don't know if I've ever felt shit. Now that I'm thinking about it, because never had a dog, so I've never picked up a dog's shit. And with the cat, you have your little scooper, so I'm not picking up that shit. Though I may have picked up some cat shit, because I think when my cat was a little older and sicker, he would, like, he would be on the edge of the litter box and then poop outside of it. I'm pretty sure that happened. Which, that's not a problem when he peed outside of the litter box. That was not that was not pleasant. Cleaning up his shit was way better than you know wiping up and lysoling the hell out of the floor. Uh, thankfully, it was not carpeting. That would that would have been really bad. Yeah, it was a great cat. I'd I'd pick up his shit any day of the week. I wouldn't eat it or anything, but I'd pick it up. Anywho, moving on to what. Else I've been playing. So I, I've played a fair amount of Atari Flashback Classics on the Switch. And this is the same game as the volumes, the collections that have come out on Xbox One and PS4. And I'm assuming PC as well. However, this collects all three volumes into one package, which is really nice. So you don't have to launch one version of the game to get these games and another one to get these other uh, Atari games, which is especially nice because it's easy to forget, for me at least, which games are in what collection. It, it, it would be nice, though, if there was an option. I didn't see one, but if you could hide the games you don't give any shit about because... There are 150 or 151 Atari and arcade games in the collection. And I highly doubt there is anyone in the world who wants to, who, who would regularly want to play all of them. A lot of them don't hold up. And there are, I don't even think there are 50 that I would want to play on a, any kind of regular basis there you know there's some classic arcade games and some great console games that i would love to you know revisit here and there and, and the switch is the perfect platform for this collection because it is portable because it is more suited towards bite-sized uh, play sessions and when you play in handheld mode it has touch controls which are nice they're not the best touch controls but they are better than nothing. For instance, uh, a game like Missile Command. Moving the cursor with the analog stick is not great. It does not feel good. But when you're using your thumb, 
you can use your, your right or your left thumb to move the cursor around and then use the the buttons, uh, the face buttons to shoot off the missiles, which feels a lot better than using the analog stick. You, you have a lot more, it's a lot more precise controlling the game that way, that way which is really nice. It's, it's something that you get because it's on the Switch and in handheld mode, the, the, the device has uh, touch controls, or at least it has the uh, the ability to have touch controls. Not every game that would benefit from it uh, includes them, but this collection does, which is nice. Though, on the topic of controls, I, I'm still annoyed by this collection's bad control option. Or not control options, because you can customize controls, which is a very good option. But their default controls, I just look at uh, often and I'm baffled by the choice. So, going back to Missile Command, for instance, the three bases, which are situated, you know, left, middle, right, instead of using face buttons that are situated left, middle, and right, it's, I think the default ones are maybe B, A, X, so it's bottom, right, top, which just doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't, like for me at least, I want the, the, uh, the, the things I'm seeing on screen and the buttons to correlate in that sense. In a game like that, where you have these clear bases that are positioned on the left side, the right side, and the middle of the screen, I want the buttons on the left side, the right side, and the bottom to correlate to those bases. It just makes sense. And how someone decided that the default controls should not be set up that way is weird. I also am annoyed that while touch controls are in there, they're only in there in the sense that it's like a digital analog stick, but you have more precision. You can't tap to fire a missile and have it use some kind of smart system to realize tapping here means that shooting a missile from this particular base would be closest and the, the best option. Um, I wish that would be in there, but I'm sure that would take you know, a decent amount of effort to put into the game. And since there are 150 or so games included in the package, trying to implement these types of controls for every single one of these games would be, you know, time consuming, it would take work, and I don't think the work would be worth it, probably, uh, not knowing how much work it would really entail, just because this game it has a very limited audience. It's it's for people who either are really interested in video game history, you know, the younger audience who is interested in going back and seeing where games came from, which I think is probably a small audience, and then those who grew up with Atari and want that nostalgic feel. And you know, I I just don't imagine that's a very large audience uh, overall. You know, I, I would assume that these collections have probably sold. I, I would guess these collections have sold less than a hundred thousand, but I could be wrong. I I don't know how much nostalgia is there for uh, Atari. You know, because I grew up and I played a fair amount of Atari, but I didn't really get into gaming until the NES and going to the arcades. You know, uh, the Atari game, the home games, never really interested me all that much and going back to them i look at something and i'm like oh 
I remember this and this is fun, but more often than not with the, the collection, I, I'm way more interested in the arcade games just because stuff like Asteroids or, or Missile Command are still fantastic and the home versions are just uglier, shittier versions in most respects, in most cases. But it is, if you haven't picked up any of the collections at this point and you are kind of curious or you would like to revisit these games here and there, the Switch version is definitely the best version because these games are so well suited for that bite size session, that game that you just want to pick up and play. Like, oh, I'll just play a few games of Asteroids, maybe a game of Missile Command, and maybe this other game, like Dominoes. Remember when I talked about Dominoes in collection, uh, the Volume 3 collection? That's here, and it's still fantastic. I still love that game. I don't think people give that game enough credit. <laughs> Not that it deserves that much credit. I just really like it. Um, but it's perfect for on-the-go play. I would never really want to play this game on the TV, but playing it portably is, is perfect. And I do appreciate that in the options as well. You can customize the on-screen visual so you can remove the on-screen uh, control. Uh, they're not controls, but just the, the, the visual uh, input for them or not not visual input the, the just the visuals for them you can remove the artwork you can remove the on-screen button for touch controls and and for regular controls you can just you can remove all of the junk that gets in the way that takes up valuable screen space when you're playing in portable mode which is nice because if you had to deal with all that it would make it a, a much worse experience because then it would just feel so cluttered and given how comparatively small the switch screen is to a TV, it, it would be pretty annoying and frustrating if you couldn't mess around with those. But it's a great collection. It's really nice having, again, all the games in one collection and not having to launch one volume or the other to get this game or that game. So that's really nice. I, I wish there was a way to combine them in or on the other consoles if they could have like some parent game for it but i don't know how you would do that um, but yeah that is again atari flashback classics on the switch and it is again available on the other consoles in separate volumes i'm not sure how much the switch version costs but i believe the volume separately on the other consoles are uh, regularly priced at 20 bucks a piece so it could be anywhere between 40 and 60 bucks which isn't a bad price for how much you're getting. Uh, and, you know, you get the, the scans of the instruction manuals and all that kind of jazz. But it's a, it's still a hard sell given how many of the games are not great. Uh, or, or that's that's almost being too kind. There, there, there are plenty of games that are really just throwaway that are, hey, this, this existed at one point. There's no reason to play it outside of that. Maybe you want to look at the, the, the scans or something, but you're not going to find even a single second of enjoyment out of some of these games, a good chunk of these games, because of how old they are and how janky they are. And just, you know, there, there are a lot of repeats of games as well or console ports that, in the grand scheme of things, you're not going to play the, the console version of Asteroids over the arcade version because it's just way worse. Um, but that is it.
outside of that, haven't played much of anything else that I can think of. I, I'll throw this out there to the, the audience. What I'm thinking about doing with the second run videos, the, uh, the, the, the offshoot of Attack the Backlog where I am playing through games that I've already played through that I've wanted to revisit, I'm thinking that for second runs, I'm going to record the the little short episode after maybe six hours or so of returning to a game, which could mean I complete the game. Or in the case of Jade Empire, that would be a drop in the bucket, uh, in the bucket, you know, a sixth of the game or so, uh, depending on how much you play. Whether you're going for the all the side quests and stuff like that. And I say that because I'm not sure if I want to finish Jade Empire. It's not the game I remember it being, not because of the story or the characters or any of that. I really love that, but the gameplay is not enjoyable. I'm not having fun playing the game. I I love these characters. I still love the characters in the story, but I'm realizing that the combat is this weird in-between, between being real time and the the like turn based not turn based but the what do you call that kind of play style that MMO style uh that Kotor had and it's the worst of both worlds it just it doesn't feel good and i don't want to keep playing it and so i was thinking it's not so much that I don't want to keep playing. I'm just that I'm not in a rush anymore. And I will probably finish it at a point. But I would just want to play it here and there every now and then. Um, and I was thinking to myself. With second runs. I could probably do it. And this would make it much more viable to be a more regular thing too. Where I'm playing games that are much longer. Uh, and maybe seeing that I don't want to continue them. Or I do uh, either way. But having it be this six-hour, not first impression, second impression, whatever you want to call it, where I talk about how the game feels now compared to what my memory was telling me it felt like, uh, and ending the episodes of second runs, unless they're very short games, with an answer to the question, will I finish it or not? You know, Going through my new feelings towards the game, how different they are, and whether or not my feelings have changed so much that I'm no longer compelled to finish it and, and all that. Uh, so that's something I'm playing around with, the second run concept, um, because Jade Empire is long. I've, I've put maybe, I've only put maybe an hour or two into it since I last talked about it, and... I'm still only in chapter three, and I think there are seven chapters. I'm assuming some of the later chapters are going to be short, but I don't know. And I I know, and and knowing that going in, I just <laughs> look at it, I'm like, this is daunting. I don't want to deal with this. This is going to be a nightmare. But um, we'll see how that goes. I st I still have plenty of cushion with attack the backlog. I I do need to record some audio for two episodes and then start playing resident evil the the yakuza zero audio i still haven't recorded but that's a few episodes down the line 
It's just I, I I look at that particular game, and it's going to be the toughest episode to record just because I'm not sure how to go about talking about the game because so much of the game is just story and the side missions and I I, I played the game for a little over thirty hours I think and I'm pretty sure at least half of that time was spent watching cutscenes or reading text and, and dialogue and all that and I don't want to just talk about all the different stories I've run into or, or the story in general um, so it'll be interesting because I really love that game but so much of why I love the game and why I think it's special and worth experience is, is because of all of the little details in it that aren't particularly exciting to talk about or, or hear about I would imagine but it's more so about how fully realized the the world is and the recreation of you know that that particular city is that makes it so compelling and, and fun to play around in and be in so that'll be an interesting episode to record anywho that is it for all the game talk that went on longer than I expected it to and so I'll just talk about a few movies and move on. So I watched A Streetcar Named Desire with Marlon Brando and other people. And that's a very well-done, well-acted movie that I never want to watch ever again because Blanche Dubois is one of the most insufferable characters I've ever endured on film. Uh, and, you know, of course she's mentally ill. She has her issues and all that, but it doesn't stop her from being so unenjoyable to be around. Uh, somewhat reminiscent of whatever her name is from, Ca not Casablanca, from Gone with the Wind, which is another movie that I watched last year, I think, or the year before. And I appreciated it from a uh, cinematography standpoint and, and production and all that. Uh, but the the main character, is it Scarlet? Uh, but uh, I hated her so much. And I never want to sit through her uh, ever again. Uh, but it, it was... It wasn't worth it, but that, that famous line from the end of Gone with the Wind really does feel so good when you see it in context after watching the movie and dealing with her for so long. When Gone with the Wind is Clark Gable, right? When he says at the very end, frankly, and I know that the quote is often misquoted, that like, I don't know if it's that he doesn't say my dear or something, but it's just like, frankly, I don't give a damn. And when he says that and just leaves, I'm like, fucking, yes, finally, you're out of here. You're away from this freaking terrible, horrible person. And that is somewhat how I feel about Blanche Dubois, except Blanche Dubois is a much more complex character. There, there's so much more going on, and the actress, who I wish I remembered her name, just fucking kills that performance. And so does Marlon Brando. They are so good in the movie. And there was a great scene, too, where Mo, uh, Marlon Brando's talking about being Polish, that I appreciated it, being half Polish. Uh, 
it's just it's it's so well acted um, that some of the other parts about it that can annoy me don't really get to me like the the majority of plays that are put on a film feel like plays put on the film and, and this is no different but the acting was fantastic from beginning to end that I didn't mind that whereas I minded it more in uh, Fences a, a recent picture which felt very much so like that and of course the the one monologue was fantastic but outside of that it, it felt very stagey um, but that was that was a very well done movie that I <laughs> will never ever want to watch again other than to see Marlon Brando's short little Pollock talk. <laughs> um, I watched Ip Man for the first time, and I did not like it. It's got some great fight scenes, but excessive melodrama and this and and making it out so that Ip Man seems like this perfect, unstoppable fighter that is in fact like. It's just a little bit too far-fetched, and it makes it way less interesting because for the majority of the film, I don't even think until the final fight, I don't think he was ever hit once. He's just perfect. He never loses his cool. He's always perfectly calm. Just like he's, he's like a god or something. It's, it's kind of ridiculous, and there are parts of his life that aren't, uh, put into the film that I was reading up on. You know, I, I was reading a lot of things talking about how the film plays uh, pretty loose with his backstory and all that. Um, but there are things in it where it's just like, okay, he's in the very beginning, he's got so much money in this great place and he's not working. He doesn't teach martial arts or anything. And I'm, Wondering how he has all this money, where to get it from, why doesn't he have to work, what's going on, and then you know war happens and all that, and then he has nothing. It's just it's a bit much. It wasn't a particularly fun movie, uh, but the fights were pretty good. And then I I watched. I haven't finished. I still have about twenty minutes or so left on it, man. Too like that a lot more. It's. A lot more fun and not as melodramatic, which is something I appreciate. Um, and then after that, I'll see how It Man 3 plays out, which I think has Mike Tyson in it, which is uh, going to be interesting. Another fun thing about It Man, the first one, was that I saw a few people in it who I'm pretty sure were in Kung Fu Hustle, which is one of my favorite movies. Uh, not nah, not one of my favorite movies. I just I really love it. It's my favorite Stephen Chow movie. Uh, I I believe in a very small role they had the 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 clothing guy or whatever who who fought with the ring the the rings around his wrists in Kung Fu Hustle. And then I think Lin was the I don't I don't know if he was just the the bum of kung fu hustle or not or whatever but i think they were both in one of the three two of the three masters which was cool maybe even the third master was in the movie and i just didn't realize it 
Speaking of Kung Fu Hustle, a movie that is somewhat like Kung Fu Hustle that I watched last week or so and never talked about, Let the Bullets Fly, is fantastic. I had a blast with that movie. It stars Chai Yun Fat and another actor whose name I can't remember, but Chai Yun Fat just fucking, he just feasts on the scenery in that movie. He chews it up like crazy and has, I imagine, an absolute blast doing so. He looks like he's having so much fun. It's a very fun movie in the same vein as Kung Fu Hustle, a, little, a bit more violent and uh, adult in general. You know, I, uh, It's R-rated as opposed to being PG-13. Or no, Kung Fu Hustle was rated R because I was carded for that. There's no way I was carded when I was like 21 for a fucking PG-13 movie. I would have shot myself in the face if that happened. But like, you know, do I look old now that my brains are all over your wall? That was graphic. Too graphic. Where, where was I? Let the Bullets Fly. Very fun movie. And once I finish it, Man 3, maybe I'll finally uh, check out The Good, The Bad, and The Weird. Uh... Stopping watching a few podcasts, wink, wink, uh, has really helped me get through my once ever-growing movie backlog, which is really nice. Other than that, not much else to talk about. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> I, I think that will do it because I'm pretty sure this has been a much longer episode than I was planning it to be or expecting it to be and i'm done i'm a bit parched if you're still watching this you are are, you're a champ (laughs) anywho once again i'm your host marcus nez y'all can find me on twitter instagram xbox god i'm doing it again i don't want to say all that stuff i didn't even i didn't even enunciate or anything right there i don't want to say all that stuff i'm gonna i'm gonna start over from the very beginning, uh, and I mean the very beginning. Hello, everyone. This is episode 580. No. Uh, once again, I'm your host, Mark Kuznetsov. Y'all can find me on Twitter and pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. On, <laughs> of course, this site is PixelatedSausage.com, where you can find this podcast, the Pixelated Paranormal Podcast, and Attack the Backlog, which are all available on podcast services across the globe, like Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And if you'd like to check out the art I do, or if you'd like to check out the video versions first of this podcast or Attack the Backlog, you can go over to youtube.com slash pixelatedsausage, where you can also find some anime reviews and other such videos. I, I put up a brand new review the last review for the fall 2018 season which i've been meaning to get around to for a little while it was one of the later shows so it's had a later start and ended a bit later uh Sorune, which is a very lovely show about kiro a japanese form of archery uh check out the review if you want uh but you can see that and so much more Again, at youtube.com slash pixelatedsausage. If you'd like to check out the art I make, you can go over to pxsart.com and check it all out over there. If you see something you like, click the link and it'll take you to where you can purchase a print of the piece you fancy. And if you fancy the site in general and anything that we do, 
please go over to patreon.com slash pxs and support us that away. And as always, thank you for watching or listening. I hope you enjoy this here episode, and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day.